This episode is brought to you in part by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. I love HelloFresh because from radio to team coverage to the recruiting trail, I'm constantly on the move. And HelloFresh makes it easy for me to prepare a healthy, hearty meal right at home in a matter of minutes. A crazy schedule like mine can make it easy for anybody to fall back into the dinner time recipe rut. But you can keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week. There's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. Turn to HelloFresh Market for yummy add-ons and enjoy the season's limited-time fall flavors lineup. Feast on desserts like the apple cider cake with caramel sauce or please a crowd with appetizers like the barbecue pulled pork nachos. And don't forget the mini pumpkin cheesecake, perfect for a me-time treat. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50OUinsider and use code 50OUinsider for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50OUinsider. Use code 50OUinsider for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Excellence has been established by Coach Wilkinson, Coach Switzer, and Coach Stoops. It's my responsibility to defend that standard and to build upon that standard. Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast with your host, Jesse Curtin and Brian Clinton. Hello, Sooner Nation, OU Insider subscribers, Coach Brian Clinton enthusiasts or fanatics. You can be both. You can be a Brian Clinton enthusiast or a fanatic. You can be a, a, an appreciator of OU 7-0 record, college football fan, whoever. My name is Jesse Crittenden. This is the latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill fueled by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I am joined of course as always by my co-host brian clinton sir how are things treating you in collinsville america is it raining is it raining over there it is a little bit yeah uh i'm just happy to be here man i'm i'm, I'm glad to be another day of being leader of the couch coaches over here so uh loving loving life i know you've been working on a couple of, of videos for your your field vision series mm-hmm. uh one in particular that we'll dive into a little bit more, but uh, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, how much like, you know, the, the way you break down film and stuff, I mean, I know you have some history with that, but do you have an idea of what you want to do or like what clips you like want to use before you get into something or do you kind of find it as you go? So watch. So with me recording for OU insider recording highlights, it, it's a little difficult to, I mean, you're looking at everything through a camera lens, right? So it's like, it's, it's tough to really differentiate plays. So I honestly, when I get back to the hotel or go back to the house and sit down and finally look at the game, I will watch the game once through and I will circle, I'll write down plays on my notepad and then I will go back and and break those specific plays down when it comes time. So it's a little, a little time consuming, but it's the best way to do it in my opinion. No, that, that makes sense. And also I just, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with rewatching a game back multiple times in general. I yeah. think if you cover the team, but I think, 
uh, that just gives, you know, some further insight into some people who have really enjoyed your field vision series. And there's a lot of them out there, just how much work uh, you're putting into it. So anybody who hasn't gone and checked out his, uh, Brian's field Clinton or field Clinton <laughs> field vision series, uh, where he breaks down film on OU and their opponent for that week, uh, go check that out. There'll be a couple more videos on the OU Insider YouTube channel later this week. Brian, as, as, as folks who listen to us every week have come to learn, we talk about all things Oklahoma football. And, you know, the first thing we typically do is break down the game from the previous week. And there was a lot to break down in, in Oklahoma's 31-29 win over UCF. It was a game that OU was, was favored by 18 points and it was a game they trailed by six going into the fourth quarter. And, and, you know, and thankfully they found, uh, you know, a couple of scoring drives late that, you know, the defense did just enough to hold off UCF. But um, Brian, I think the, I think the first thing to really break down in this game, I, I think it's the running game. I, I really do. And that's what one of your field vision uh, videos is going to touch on later, but you know, OU finished with 189 yards on the day on 46 carries. That's 4.1 yards per carry. Ended up being decent, but they had 57 rushing yards on 19 attempts at half, and they were going nowhere in that first half. But then Gavin Sawchuk and Marcus Major, to a lesser extent, found some things in the fourth quarter. So uh, you're at the game, you're on the field. What, what was your initial takeaway from the running game that's been just a source of confusion all season? Well, so the adjusted um, the adjusted total was they had 222 yards um, rushing before sacks. And this was a game where Oklahoma saw three – it was three sacks, and they ended up being pretty costly. Um, and so as far as the running game goes – you saw a lot of split zone uh, and a lot of inside zone towards the end of the game that they started getting and, and some zone insert where the tight end inserts into the zone uh, blocking scheme. And they found a lot of success with that, uh, particularly with Gavin Sawchuk towards the end of the game. Um, if they hadn't found that success, if they hadn't gotten, gotten it done on the ground, I, I don't, I think we're having a totally different conversation here today um, about the outcome of this game. And so when you look back at it and, and you watch um, just kind of how things progressed, I think at the end of the day, whether this is good or bad, I think Oklahoma's depth is what showed at the end of, of the game there because you could tell UCF was starting to get worn down, um, and you could tell that that guys like Savian Bird and, and uh, Caden Green were really starting to gel and get into, you know, get into being – part of it, an offensive line unit, not just playing as five individuals out there. And so when, when crunch time really came to it uh, and they figured things out, it, it was good. Um, is that how much can we take from that? I don't really know. I mean, UCF's one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. And so for us to even be talking about them having 57 yards in the first half is, is a concern, but at the same time, I think this is just one of those one of those instances where I heard I heard Gabe uh, Gabe Eichard say this week he feels that the offensive staff had too much time on their hands this week because the first couple of plays and stuff that they came out with, uh, you know, bringing bringing Gavin Freeman in, uh, motioning him, and then and then running the football with him or using Jalil Farouk uh, as a running back there was some extra stuff. And so I felt like in the second half, they really just got back to the basics and that's what ended up helping them 
get some success on the ground. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you brought that up because it wasn't just using Gavin Freeman and Jalil Farouk kind of as traditional running backs at times, or almost mm-hmm. um, as traditional running backs. It was just so. I mean, even you know, Gavin Sawchuk was the starter because um, you know, just it, we need to make sure to point out, Tawi Walker missed this game with what Brent Venables termed as an in-house suspension. Uh, which was a big deal. I mean, Tallway Walker led the team in rushing yards through the first six weeks, but uh, Gavin Sawchuk came in as the starter um, and took a direct snap on second down, fumbled the snap. Then on third down, he dropped uh, a, a a pass that wasn't going to get the first down, but it was a pass he should have caught. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and then he really didn't see another touch for uh for the rest of the first half yeah yeah (laughs) he didn't see the ball again and and then in the fourth quarter he finally starts breaking off some some chunk plays obviously had the 30 yard uh the 30 yard rushing touchdown which i think showed his explosiveness i think he is easily the most explosive running back on this team but brian i know you're gonna do a field vision uh video on on gavin sawchuck i think the main question for me is what what can we take away from this? Because I think in one hand, I mean, he finished with 10 carries for 63 yards. Uh, that 6.3 yards per carry is the highest uh, yards per carry average in any game this season for any OU running back. The explosiveness is clearly there despite the early struggles. But again, you know, Marcus Major had 82 rushing yards, was really involved despite having a hurt shoulder, and Tawi Walker didn't play. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like... Did, did Gavin do enough to to earn a significant role moving forward? He only had 18 carries on the season coming into the game. Did he do enough? Do we see him take a lot of snaps? Does Tawi come in like normal next or this coming weekend? What do you see and how that shakes out? So if I'm the coaching staff, the the thing that I notice is he gives you an element uh, in physicality right now that Marcus just can't. Um, which is important, especially when they talk about running through trash. Now, Marcus Major is a physical running back, but it's clear that that shoulder is affecting him. He's he's bracing for contact when he hits the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's not running. It doesn't feel like he's running with his full potential or his full momentum, which is a big deal. And so when you've got a guy like, like uh, Tawi Walker, who is essentially Thunder, having a change of pace back like like Gavin Sawchuk to become the lightning in that twofold running back room would be would be fantastic. And I think that we saw enough from him um to 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 see him take some some more of a load going on. And and we discussed this before the podcast. The guy's got 45 carries in his Oklahoma career. That's it. He's he's carried the ball 45 times. And so it's really hard to know what you've got with a guy until he, he hits that hundred carry threshold. And I, I think there's just so much mystery around, around what he could be. My biggest takeaway after watching all of the Gavin's carries from even dating back to last year was you could tell against Tulsa and against Iowa state, whenever he had nine and seven carries a piece, the, the explosiveness wasn't there. His jump cut, which is fantastic. The the kid has a really, really solid natural jump cut that he uses in the backfield and in zone schemes. It didn't feel right the first couple of games. It looked to be coming back. The patience was there. Uh, he wasn't running directly into his into his lineman's back, you know, in the fourth quarter against UCF. He was patient and let those holes open up and he exploded through them. And it looked like Gavin Sawchuck that we saw against Florida State. So I think that that's promising because if you can get a guy 
like that uh, to change the pace and then use a bruiser like Tawi Walker, um, I think you've got something there. The offensive line gelling is another important part of that. You've got to see more from Caden Green, who played well in the, in the fourth quarter, and Savion Bird needs to solidify himself as somebody that the coaching staff can, can put out there and trust. And so um, I think once it all comes together, it'll be good. It's just a matter of when, if ever, is that going to happen? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line. Obviously, McCain Matower was out. Uh, Caden Green got – I think he played every snap of the game mm-hmm. at, at left guard. At the right guard, uh, it's Caleb Schaefer and Savion Bird who did nearly a 50-50 split. But now the question is, when McCain comes back, which could be on Saturday, does Caden Green hang on to that left guard spot? Either way, you know, we got to talk to Walter Rouse last night, and I asked him, is there anything to take away – from some of those good positive runs in the fourth quarter. And he was like, yeah, there absolutely is. The takeaway is we need to do that for all four quarters. And that's so, um, I, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the running game as it relates to, to Kansas uh, this weekend. I think the other thing to touch on in this UCF game, Brian, is the defense that had some good moments. Uh, I don't think it was all bad. Uh, UCF finished with, uh, I believe, 397 yards um below their season average oh you did a really good job of limiting uh their their rushing attack which ranked third in the country coming in uh, i believe they had just 149 yards they averaged 3.6 yards per carry uh that OU running defense has been really good this season that showed up on saturday but it's the big plays that's yep. the thing that that's the thing that hurt them and no other than that 86 yard touchdown to javon baker at the end of the first half those are just mistakes that we have not seen this OU defense make. I think it's been a lot of bend but don't break. That's kind of been their philosophy. Yeah. But I think when you combine the big plays, even think about the the 49-yard gain on third and 15 on that last UCF drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a 55-yard run in the early in the second quarter that set up a touchdown. When you combine all that with OU not getting a turnover or not getting a takeaway for the first game, it just was kind of an uneven performance seasons greetings more like seasons compliments because compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with caldera lab and i'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now the results are incredible in little time men's skincare and caldera lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine clear skin less wrinkles and signs of aging enough said caldera lab skincare join the other 100,000 men who trust caldera lab to show your best first impression this fall caldera lab knows the skincare world is heavily female driven and has long been the wild wild west for men that's why they're making their solution simple the regimen includes three products the clean slate the base layer and the good the clean slate starts and ends your day this face wash leaves all skin types refreshed the base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence and the good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as help reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. Just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use OU Insider at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. Again, 20% off with code OU Insider at calderalab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. 20% off at Caldera Lab with code OU Insider. Where, where's your head at when it comes to what this OU defense showed and what it means moving forward? Well, it kind of, it, it kind of showed how, how difficult 
playing defense in college football is because you can be good for 90% of the plays, but those big ones hurt and they stack up quickly. And so, um, you know, I, I believe outside of their, they had a, they had a run of 55 and a run of 20, you take those away and they held them to two and a half yards of carry, which is fantastic. That's really, really good. But those, those big ones pile up. And so I think the the thing that really hurt Oklahoma I, I push it. I push all of my chips to the middle of the table on saying it was the first quarter. That's what really hurt Oklahoma. I think that the trend was, I think the trend was set whenever Oklahoma started with field position at its 45 yard line or better four times. And they came away with seven points. The defense was shut out. They were, they were absolutely lights out that first quarter. And then Oklahoma's offense wasn't playing complimentary football. You missed two field goal attempts. You, uh, you, you're putting yourself in bad position. And we all know how big of a deal momentum is in college football. I mean, that, that changes the scope of every game at some point in time or another. And so I think when you, when you saw Oklahoma kind of just, just really struggle out the gate offensively, it puts a lot more pressure on that defense. And then pressure is it, that equals bad eyes. You've got a lot of youth on the defense uh, and, and uh, a young players' eyes are sometimes the most dangerous thing uh, to a defense, and, and uh, it showed. And so I, I think at the end of the day, you, you take away with, from it that, that they were able to win and they made the plays necessary to, to get a stop when they needed to. But, um, you know, you need to have more complimentary football because that started to look a little bit like the team last year. And so – um, they were able to pull out a win though, which they weren't able to do last season in a situation like that. But it just kind of shows you, you don't listen to the discipline. You don't, you don't listen to what the coaches are, are telling you and you don't follow your keys. You get into trouble really quickly. I'm glad you mentioned that, that first quarter, I think UCF had 15 total yards in the first quarter. So I think that was maybe what was so surprising as OU's defense was so dominant early, but I think you're right. Momentum plays such a huge role and you factor in the two missed field goals, um, from Zach Schmidt. Uh, I think my main takeaway from all of it is you can't complain about a win. And we've said all during the offseason that OU, I mean, they lost so many close games last year. They lost all five of their games that came down to one possession. You flip a couple of those, the season looks different. It's the same thing here. Mm-hmm. You, if you, if you flip it, no, you loses, you look at this a lot differently, but they did what they couldn't do last year. However, you look forward to the rest of the schedule. Brian, and I think I'm as guilty as anybody else saying, I, I don't know if there's a loss on this on this schedule. I, I, oh, you can't play like they did against UCF and expect to win out. They they just can't. Like both right. things can be true. It's good to it's good to get a win. Uh they they did enough to get a win, but they're they're gonna have to play better. And that starts with this weekend, Brian. Uh at Kansas on Saturday, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff again. Uh God bless us, uh, media members, another early kickoff. It's going to be an early morning in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, but this is a game again where OU is a double-digit favorite. But this is a Kansas team that's five and two. Um, you know, they're, they're still – I mean, they're scoring really, really well uh, this season. I think they're averaging – they're averaging over 30 points per game, I believe. Or sorry, they're averaging 35 points per game. They're mm-hmm. 21st in scoring offense. The rushing offense is really good. They're averaging over – 210 rushing yards a game. I think this is a game that would be full on nerve. It would be really nervous if Jalen Daniels was playing. 
Um, he's not playing or he's likely not going to play. It's probably going to be Jason Bean, but Brian, Jason Bean is still a good quarterback. I know you fans know last year, Kansas put up 42 points with him at quarterback last season. So um, I know you haven't done your full break, your breakdown of Kansas yet. That'll come later, but just your early impressions, what stands out to you about what's important for OU going into this game? So and we'll talk about this a little bit in the roundtable later in the week, I believe. But the 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 one thing that sticks out for me on on Kansas is they lead the country in pre-snap motion, and so that plays a huge role in what Oklahoma is going to be able to do defensively. Uh, pre-snap motion gives Jason Bean or whoever's starting at quarterback a lot of information about what's going on. Pre-snap motion can tell you whether or not you're seeing man uh, or zone in the passing game, and it also can can help you move guys in and out of the box for, for running, uh, for running scripts. So I I'm curious just to see how well Oklahoma can handle the adversity of what we saw last week and stick to the keys that they're being given. Um, just glancing over here at the weather, you're going to be up in the press box, which mm-hmm. I envy you this week for that. <laughs> um, the the weather is 38 degrees at kickoff, 88% chance of precipitation. So it's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. That's uh gross. it's gross. not it's not going to be fun um as far as, as being out there goes. But um to me that screams that screams a running game. You have to that's just kind of one of those games where it's going to come down to who can run the ball better. Um Kansas is really good at running the football. And so I, I think this is going to be one of those games where Oklahoma has to stay disciplined in what it's looking at, and you have to win the turnover battle. You cannot lose the turnover battle in this game. Um, that's That really hurt the Sooners last year. Uh, and if you'll remember, this game last year was a, was a shootout. I mean, it was 52-42 final. Um, I don't think it'll be like that this year. Um, I think it'll be a little bit different, but – Again, this is this is a game where Oklahoma is getting the chance to prove that it can overcome the adversity that it saw last week. Despite the win, there was adversity, uh, and it's going to be a, a really big test for them on the road. If you remember last time they hit the road in a real road environment, um, Cincinnati kind of took them to the wire for a little while, and it ended up being twenty to six. But we've we've seen Cincinnati not pick up a Big Twelve win since then. So this is going to be a big test, and, and Oklahoma needs to be prepared for it. Yeah, I think uh, I like everything that you said there, especially the the pre-snap stuff, because I I think in a lot of ways, this UCF matchup this last weekend, I think is actually a pretty good They're They kind of profile in a little bit of a similar way to this Kansas Mm -hmm. team. Both teams are led by their rushing attacks. Uh, UCF was third coming into the coming into last weekend in rushing. Kansas is 12th. They they both both teams have a dual threat quarterback and and rely on their running game and both teams have a really bad rushing defense kansas is 94th mm-hmm. in rushing defense uh their passing defense isn't much better but that's the weak point of this kansas defense just like it was for ucf and both teams rely a lot on pre-snap motion some trickery some deception so i think in some ways you can look at it that way but or you can look at it as kind of a you know last weekend was a good test but to yeah. me Brian you said it right there that I think this is going to come down to who can run the ball better and you've got a lot OU's defense has been really good defending the run but to me it's not even just about OU needing to get the run game going just for the sake of getting the run game going it's 
we saw we we've seen what happens when they can't do that very effectively. Their passing game struggles. That's one of the things that stood out to me in that UCF game is Brian OU was barely attempting anything down the field passing wise. They only had four passing plays of 15 yards or more. Four. And that's just for an offense that wants to use the running game to set up big passing plays down the field. Every there were things there were times that it was just OU's offense was just disjointed. There's good moments like the 49 yard touchdown or 42 yard touchdown to Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson continues to assert himself, but again, Jalil Farouk only three catches on the day. Um, nothing downfield, almost everything is horizontal. Um, so that's like to me coming into this game is if OU can't establish the run very effectively or very efficiently then that does give me that does give me concerns because of what we've seen in the past this is going to be on the road in Lawrence i think Kansas is just a better team than UCF mm-hmm. so to me you mentioned it right there turnover margin and OU running the ball to me those are if you want to look for any keys to me it starts and ends right there as scary as it might sound i i think you kind of nailed it on the head there. Kansas is a, is a better version of UCF at this point in time. I, I think they're very similar in the way that they do things. And I mean, Kansas walloped them just a couple of weeks ago. It was 51, 22. I mean, it was, it was ugly. And 399 so, rushing yards for Kansas. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And so I, I think that the point there, you kind of alluded to it um, with the passing game a, a little down last week. It kind of shows the importance in Jeff Levy's scheme to be able to run the ball in line, to run the ball between the tackles. Being able to do that effectively really opens up the rest of the field. And so, um, you know, those deep shots, they don't just – you can't just run it whenever you want to. You've got to be able to set things up, and that's how that's how Jeff Levy likes to do things. He's matchup-based. If he sees a one-on-one opportunity, um, he's going to take it, but you're not going to get those unless you're running the ball well. And so, um, yeah, I mean, emphasis – like you just said, the emphasis this week, run the football, take care of it, and uh, the rest will take care of itself. I agree. I think that's my overall takeaway from this matchup is if if OU is the better team, even on the road, OU should win this game. Yep. If they can run the ball, uh, you know, if they can if they can do what they did in the fourth quarter against UCF, if they can do that for most of the game, and if that defense can force a turnover or two, Oh, uh, you should be able to 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 win this game. I I have them favored, but to me, if you're asking yourself, can Kansas beat this Oklahoma team? Answer is absolutely yes. Oh, yeah. It's the answer is yes. Um, it would take OU not doing some of those things well, but all it's going to take is OU's not running the ball very well. Kansas gets things going on their end. They're controlling the the tempo. They're controlling the pace of the game. Uh, maybe they force a turnover or two. They're in better field position. That's all it takes, and. I think that UCF game, Brian, if anything, you're moving forward. And, you know, this Big 12 conference, which has been pretty weird all year, it's been in flux all year. All of a sudden, you look at the rest of the OU schedule that didn't look that daunting a year or a week ago. Now it looks kind of tough. And that's why, like, I think this Kansas game is is a really big test. And to have to do this and Oklahoma State back-to-back, an Oklahoma State team that has suddenly – revitalized itself um i don't i mean to me this is a this is a really important game because you've got i think this is i think the rest for the rest of the regular season this weekend and next weekend are going to be the toughest tests yet for oklahoma and oklahoma state looks oklahoma state looks really good and and kansas is five and two you know i uh 
I was really surprised and I wanted to make sure that I had this right. Um, because it, it just jumped off the screen at me earlier. Kansas is second, in the big 12 in sacks this year with 19. And so one of the things that they really struggled with last season was play along the defensive line in their front seven. It's, it's really, it's improved a lot this year. Now, again, you just, you just said they still struggle. Um, 94th, as funny as it sounds, uh, 94th is a big jump from where they were at last year, because I believe they were in the bottom five of the country in rushing defense last year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this one's going to be tough. And again, like you just said, you're looking at the, if you're looking at the big 12 standings, Oklahoma has to play the third ranked team in the big 12, the, uh, sixth ranked team in the big 12, which is Kansas this week. And then you've got the seventh and BYU, the eighth in West Virginia and the 10th there in, um, in TCU. And so you've got four and four is, is the worst record of, of the teams remaining on Oklahoma schedule. Um, Coming into the year, it didn't look like that was going to be the case. But again, you've, you're going to have to have beaten uh, most of the best teams in the conference to get to that conference championship. You'll have you have a win over Texas and Iowa State, um, but you'll need to beat Oklahoma State, Kansas, and BYU to get there too. And so, um, and look, here's the thing: if Oklahoma wants to hang a banner, if they want to get the chance to hang that banner, like Brent Venables talked about at the beginning of the season you have to beat these teams there. If you truly want a chance at the college football playoff with how everything else is looking to be playing out, you can't afford to lose a game on that slate. There's just not, there's not enough room for error. And so um, like it or not, that's just how it is. And, and I, I think they know that going into this. Well, and I think that's, you know, my takeaway from Saturday, um, you know, for OU to win in a really close game, a game that they were heavily favored in, I think one goes to show that, it, you know, we were probably, a lot of us were probably a little naive coming off that Texas win, <laughs> you know, and that, that game was, it was a huge win. It was a really impressive win. Uh, not to take away from any of that at all, but I mean, OU hasn't gone undefeated in the regular season since 2004. And you think of that 2000 season, where as historical and magical as it was for Oklahoma, that season included a 12 to seven win over an Oklahoma state team that finished three and eight. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to win every week. And now you look at, and I think you get reminded, I mean, OU wasn't the only one that struggled in a game that they were favored heavily. I mean, Texas was an even bigger favorite over Houston and Houston had them on the ropes. And I think they got hosed. On that, they on did. that, absolutely, on that, they did. Yeah, okay, they got hosed at the end of the game, and now all of a sudden, again, you look at Texas. Quinn Ewers is hurt. Um, now all of a sudden, things look a lot different for Texas to struggle in a game they were favored by more than three touchdowns, and it took just three weeks for Oklahoma State. You know, three weeks ago it was oh, that's not going to be a problem for Oklahoma. To to now, it's like, is Oklahoma State the second best team in the Big Twelve? Are they the third best team in the Big Twelve? Ollie Gordon is legit, man. Yeah. He is. That's what, like, he's legit. And again, Oklahoma can and probably should still be favored to run the table. Mm -hmm. Close wins happen and it, yep. they won, and that's all that matters. But all of a sudden, you're like, man, they got to go to Lawrence against a pretty good Kansas team. And they got to go to Stillwater against an Oklahoma State team that's got wins over Kansas, Kansas State, and, and, uh, wait, who was it? They beat West Virginia. West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yep. Um, all of a sudden, it's like, I think that's where, you know, and factor in the, you know, that 
we're not even talking about BYU or TCU, but OU just struggled against UCF. Right. All of a sudden, you can't take anything for granted. And these next two weeks are going to be really, really tough. And um, I think this Kansas team is better than people, than some people have given them credit for. And so I just, I think we're going to learn a lot about this Oklahoma team over the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think this, I think this Big 12 conference from top to bottom looks a little bit more impressive than it did, you know, three or four weeks ago. I had a conversation with Parker on the way back to the car after the game um, against UCF, and ignomatic is the best way to. This is an ignomatic conference. There is no way you can tell what's going to happen from week to week because Kansas State drops a game to Oklahoma State. Uh, hold on, let me let me take this one step further. TCU beats BYU forty-four to eleven one week. Uh, BYU then turns around and beats Texas Tech the following week. And in that same night, Kansas State beats B, uh, beats TCU 41 to three. And so like there's just you go from winning a game by 30 something points to losing a game uh, in the span of a week against teams that look to be evenly matched. It, it's just it's really difficult to know what you're going to get week in and week out. And that's why Brent Venables is preaching, you know, control the controllables. We've got to control what we can control. And that's getting better each and every week. They have to make improvements every week. Um, I mean, look at look at Washington. Look at look at Washington just did uh, this last weekend. They they come off a huge win over Oregon, and then what does the number one offense in the country do? They don't score a single offensive touchdown against Arizona State, who checks notes is one in six. Like I mean, what, what this is just one of those years, uh, and we're seeing parody all over the country and i think at the end of the day from this point on like it or not just win just win it doesn't matter what it looks like at this point just win keep winning and you'll be just fine and i and as hard as that may be to to not want to look at those stats and say oh you know this this team just doesn't have it as long as they continue winning that's all that matters no i agree and that's like i think it's hard sometimes to find that balance between looking at the OU UCF game last weekend and, and objectively seeing like, Hey, there are things they have to clean up. They can't, I'll tell you this, they cannot afford to miss two field goals. Um, like they did against UCF against Kansas. They, they cannot afford to do that, especially when those field goals would have given, would have been huge to establish, you know, control of that game in the first right. quarter. They can't do that. They cannot give up an 86 yard touchdown with a minute left in the first half. They can't give up a 49 yard gain on a third and 15 late in the game where if you get a stop right there, you can win, you can, you can seal the win right. and you can't give up a 12 yard touchdown on fourth and 10 inside the 12 yard line. Right. Oh, and if you're OU's offense, you can't afford to have 57 rushing yards and average three yards of carry in the first half. Those things will get you beat against Kansas or Oklahoma state or at BYU or anything else. Mm-hmm. It's hard to balance all of that while also acknowledging, but OU did win the game. They right. did enough. They did enough to win the game, and we're seeing across the landscape that you really can't take anything for granted now. And so that's why I, I think if you're looking at trying to compare this team to last year, the reality is there were plays that OU made on Saturday that they needed to that they needed to make to win that they had opportunities to make last year and didn't. Right, and that shows growth. It does. It shows growth as frustrating as things might have been at times on Saturday. It does show growth, but they still got to go prove it. They got to go prove it. And you know, it's funny how how you kind of look at things, how they progress over a season. The first game of the year, they come out with their hair on fire and beat a bad Arkansas State team, seventy three to nothing. 
there's no doubt in my mind that the team that walked out and and beat Texas a few weeks ago was better than the version of that team uh, than that we saw at the beginning of the year. Now, that's just because the the competition elevates. Um, and I think at the end of the day, a lot of people forget these are 19, 20 year old kids uh, that for two weeks just got told how good they were. Uh, they were told that, you know, that they're, they're hearing all this noise in a positive manner for the, you know, I don't, I know that they're not talking about it inside the locker room. I know they're not talking about it on the practice field, but when those kids go home and they pull this thing out and they're looking on Twitter and they see that stuff, it, it resonates. I think that the way that Oklahoma lost last week going into a game against Kansas is the best possible outcome, the way that they won, because it gives them a still the win, but it gives the coaching staff plenty of reason to walk in as I'm sure they did on Monday morning and say, what'd we say? If you listen to the noise, it's going to affect the way that you look out there. It's going to affect the way you do things. So let's buckle in this week and get things right. Or we may not be as lucky next week. And so, um, you know, it's a good thing from the coach's perspective. I think that's why uh, Brent said in his post game press conference, uh, you know, I get to get, you know, I like these because we won, but I get to go, I get to go yell at some guys on Monday. So good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that was fun. That was funny, but you're right. Look, that's the thing. This Kansas team, they're not as good without Jalen Daniels, but even without him, they're still good. And this is going to be, you know, I remember going to Lawrence in 2021 in a game that nobody was there for the first half. Nobody was in the crowd. OU was down 10, nothing. They eventually pulled it out, but that's not going to be the expectations or that's not going to be the, the scene on Saturday. You and I are going to get to Lawrence. It's going to be a sold-out crowd, and it's going to be a Kansas team who's coming there to win. They're yeah. coming there fully believing they can win. So I think if you're Oklahoma, you got to play better than you did on Saturday, but still have confidence that you can come in and win. You've just got to take care of business. This, Oklahoma, this right. Oklahoma team should win. They've got yeah. their eyes on a loftier goal than Kansas does, but if they play like they did on Saturday, they'll get beat. That's yep. the reality. Absolutely, and – Jason Bean is coming off the best game of his career to this point. And he had five touchdowns, 410 yards passing against Oklahoma state. Um, but he had two costly interceptions, one of them in the red zone again, win the turnover battle and Kansas, this is going to be a good test. And, and I, I'm really excited to see how it plays out. It is before we, before we hop out of here, Brian, real quick, if uh, what's, what's the big 12 contest you're outside of OU Kansas, what big 12 game are you, are you most interested in? this weekend mine is uh, Oklahoma State Cincinnati I think is easily what I'm looking at I I'm going to be watching Texas BYU because I'm curious what Malik Murphy looks like I have I have been a guy quietly I've been a guy saying that if Malik Murphy ever gets the chance to run the Texas offense that Quinn Ewers might not get his job back I I truly feel that this is a guy that could really elevate them which which is is a bit scary um, but, but the, the, the fact of the matter is yours hasn't been as sharp as people thought he was going to be. And I think if Malik Murphy can, uh, if he can, uh, grab the, the bull by the horns here and take the opportunity and run with it, uh, Texas might be better off in the long run. Yeah, that's a good point. That one should be interesting. 
Well, Brian, I think that's going to do it for for us here in this latest episode of the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, You can find us on our OU Insider YouTube channel, uh, our episodes every Thursday, or you can go to anywhere you stream podcast episodes. Uh, Make sure to like and subscribe our YouTube channel. If you're not a VIP subscriber over at OUinsider.com, head over there. You'll find content from from Brian and I, as well as Parker Thune and Brandon Drum, all kinds of things to offer. We've still got plenty of the season left. So uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in and we'll see what happens this weekend.